Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And we're here, as always, to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Really good show planned for you today. We have some baseball and basketball news coming up. But first, the Jets did what the Jets are best at, shooting themselves in the foot. They traded safety Jamal Adams to the Seattle Seahawks for two first-round picks, a third-round pick. They, in turn, gave a fourth-round pick and Jamal Adams. And you might say, well, they got two first-round picks. Awesome. Great. Good for them. They can rebuild their franchise. The problem with that, we're both thinking the same thing, is what? Uh, the New York Jets can't draft. Exactly. They're still the Jets. You can only polish a turd so much. I, I just don't. I, I, I The deal is great. It's a great deal. You get great compensation for the top, arguably the top safety in the, in the game. But your organization can't turn those draft picks into anything of substance. And on top of that, your first first-round pick that you got is going to be coming on the, off the heels of a potentially no college football season. So on top of the draft being a crapshoot, times it by two. Because now you're just not going to know what these players can do. And I, I, you can try to kick the can down the, the, the street if you want, uh, but you're not going to get great value for that pick if you try that because every team's going to look at that and say, we know what you're doing, no. Or we're going to give you less value. So, and I just don't believe in the the Jets to do the right thing. No, because they haven't proven. Their track, their track record proves they won't do the right thing. The Jets are in this position because of the Jets. People want to be mad at Jamal Adams, and I don't understand why. I, I don't get it. It's absolutely ridiculous to blame Jamal Adams for this. The guy wanted to be in New York. He told them he wanted to be in New York. During last season, they tried to trade him. After they told him, they wanted him there. Then, supposedly he talks to him, and things are cleared up. But, then, they jerk him around the contract negotiations, which is ridiculous. We're going to break down in a few minutes some of the contracts that the Jets have handed out over the past couple of years. And then would have brought it probably taken to keep Jamal Adams in New York long term as the face of that team, like he should have been. And people are going to go, why the hell didn't they just re-sign him? They could have made him the top paid safety in the game. And whether you think he's the best safety in the game or not, a lot of times the contract of being the highest paid at that position, it doesn't really have a lot to do with being the best. It does, but it doesn't. It can have a lot to do with the timing of your free agency and the market at the time of your signing. But Jamal Adams wanted to be in New York. He wanted to be a Jet. He was happy there. They had the money to keep him. They got caught screwing around, trying to trade him for God only knows what reason. Pissed him off. And then he couldn't make it better. And they bring in a, they have a coach in Adam Gase who I don't know what kind of dirt this guy has on people. I don't know how he still has a job as a professional football coach. I don't. He is awful. He would have to improve just to be bad. He's the Rob Manfred of NFL head coaches. It's an apt description. He is terrible. And yet, they trade away Jamal Adams. Gase is still there. Le'Veon Bell is acting all pissed off. He's all mad at Jamal Adams because Jamal Adams talked him 
told him you know he should come to New York and this and that like every player does if there's a free agent coming in. So, Le'Veon Bell went to Le'Veon Bell went to the Jets because it was about the money. I so he, sure. he, it wasn't about winning. It wasn't about anything else. He went because it was about the money. Which is fine. Just say that. Don't make Jamal Adams feel bad. Now, Jamal Adams didn't do this. The Jets did this. Jamal Adams wanted to be in New York. The Jets had the money to sign him, and they decided, oof, we have a, a top, at minimum, minimum top three at his position in the league, 25 years old. We have the money to sign him. What should we do? Lock him up? Now nah, let's dick him around for three months. Oh, and then he gets mad, and it's his fault? No, it's not. Ridiculous. Beyond ridiculous. This is why the Jets... Continue to be the Jets. I'm going to work it from the other side, the draft side, because usually that's where I I land. Outside of the past three seasons, and obviously we can't count 2020 yet because it hasn't happened yet, like the season. But for argument's sake, their past three first-round picks are still on the team. Uh, Tackle Bactic and... Defense tackle, uh, Quinn Williams, and quarterback, Sam Donald. All right, that's 2020, 2019, and 2018. That's great. It's a good foundation. Tackle, defensive tackle, and a quarterback. That's what you want, right? I mean, if the talent's there, it's what you want. Here's where your problem is going to is doing, is going to come. And, and you're not going to be able to take these two first-round picks, or at least one of them, I don't think, and, and infuse that talent. Your 2017 first-round pick was the aforementioned Jamal Adams. Gone. 2016, Darren Lee. Gone. 20, 2015, Leonard Williams. Traded last year, which we actually have the deal, and they got a fifth and a third for Great move. Great move. Yeah, it's really, six, really, yeah, really making it worth your while. Six overall pick, and you got a thirty and a five. Now, you took the six overall pick from the twenty seventeen season and got two first and a third. Understandable. That just tells me you couldn't figure out how to use Leonard Williams, Calvin Pryor. Um, I actually was going to put that name on here too, but I don't think I put it on our uh, our call list for um, uh, trades, recent trades. But I know he was traded um, in seventeen, I believe. Uh, he was the 18th pick in the first round in 14. D. Milner and Sheldon Richardson eventually traded. 2012, Quinton Copos. I know I'm going far back, but he was a 16th uh, overall pick. Traded. Muhammad Wilkerson, he, he was there for a little a little bit. I think he got an extension. Oh, we'll talk about Muhammad Wilkerson in a few minutes. <laughs> but he was there for a decent amount of time. I think he even got a, a extension at one point. That's why we'll talk about Muhammad Wilkerson in a few minutes. But eventually, it was a mistake because it just didn't work out. Kyle Olson, who all the way back in 2010, he didn't work out. Uh, we can talk about Mark Sanchez, but yeah, we don't really need to. I mean, realistically, I can go all the way back to 2007. Their, their best draft pick paired with longest tenured player, although he didn't play there in the entire career, was... One Darrell Rivas. Who we'll also bring up in a few moments. It's 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 astonishing. I mean, look, look. No team's perfect at the draft, okay? No, no. Every team misses. But Chris The Jets have they made it missed. a profession. They have become professionally bad at drafting. Like almost a better part of a de- and let's let's be honest. 
the 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 report is still out on Sam Darnold because if the Ghostbusters haven't come visit him this offseason, he might still be seeing ghosts. Sam Darnold could be something. I don't know. His rookie season, he looked okay. Year two, he was out with mono for, I don't know, he was making it under, under the bleachers or something and got sick. I don't know. This, you know, this team, you can look at it on, on the outside looking in and say, they got two first pick, round picks for him, a third, and a safety in return. I honestly don't know too much about Bradley McDougal. He's a safety. Well, I, I know that. But, like, I don't know about his playing. Like, he's nothing. He's not special. He's not bad. He was he was, he was was a guy to throw in in the same position to say, okay, now you have a safety again. Right. Okay. So, Seahawks, who, by the way, were looking like a top team in the NFC last year anyways. If it wasn't for the running backs. If it wasn't for just about every running back on their roster getting injured around the same time. I mean, they have a lot of really good pieces in place. This is already a team that looks really, really good on paper and on the field. So they trade away their first round pick, 2021, 2022. 2021 third rounder and Bradley McDougal. Mm-hmm. They'll get a fourth rounder in 2022 and Jamal Adams, of course. And you might say to yourself, the Jets won this. They got rid of a guy who didn't want to be there. And they got two first round picks. That's a win. It would be. But I just cannot believe the Jets are going to do the smart thing. They're not going to draft right. They never do. It doesn't matter if the Seahawks end up struggling and end up being a, an 8-8 eight and eight team and the Jets get a, a top 12 pick out of, I don't know, top 12, top 15, 16 pick. Both years. It's the Jets. And, and, and I'll accentuate your point there by saying between 2011 and 2019, they drafted four, actually five, defensive linemen, three of them defensive tackles. Do you really need that many? I understand. Uh, well, Ben, if, if you draft in 2011, then you should really, by 2016, 2017, 2018, you should be drafting another one, right? Understand that point. Not if... Five defensive linemen are being drafted between 2011 and 2019, and you're drafting th- and, and three of them are defensive tackles. They have to keep drafting them because they can't do it right. Because you you basically took Sheldon Richardson, Leonard Williams, and just couldn't do anything with them. And now, Quinn and Williams, it's literally going to be Quinn and Williams' show. That's all it's going to be because I don't know what C.J. Mosley is going to be. I, I don't know if he's going to have anything left. After he had a pretty pretty severe injury last year, maybe he comes back uh, full health and, and plays to the level of contract he got. But it, it ain't looking good, and I don't know what else they got going on in their secondary, their linebacking core. It's, they're just peeling off talent, and they just can't bring it back in fast enough. And I, I agree. There's no way that even one of these first-round picks is going to pan out because they're just going to pick the wrong person. Jamal Adams is 25 years old. Not even I don't think we've even seen the best out of Jamal Adams yet. He's only going to get better. In a situation where he can thrive, this guy could be the very best at his position in the league. I know a couple of Jets fans. I know it's a Patriots fan and Jets fans. It's like, wow, oil and water. But it's really fun around 
the times around football season when they're all playing, it, it gets some some good back and forth banter. But the only thing I, I text them when I was like, "What is your team doing?" And they just sent me back a middle finger emoji. Like I don't, know, I wasn't my fault. I didn't trade Jamal Adams. I wouldn't have traded. I would. I would have been like the Seahawks and traded for Jamal Adams. Right. Like you're telling me, I give up two first round picks, and like we've said before, especially around our draft show, first round picks are great, but man, you can miss on those. And and if you're Seattle, you're thinking you're going to draft exactly the, the draft. You're going to draft at least mid to high twenties both of those years. You're going to trade that and a mid level safety. Who, by the way, I believe McDougal is making more than Jamal Adams this year. So put that into the thought process as well. So he's going to make more than Adams this year. You're going to trade away two late round first picks who. To be honest, if your guy wasn't on the board anyways, you would have just traded away later in the draft when it came time to draft. Right. For a rock-solid young talent who can be the man at his position, who can be the face of your defense, or at least one of them, because well, he has a lot of other talented be, people. Be one of them. Yeah, there a lot many. of other talented players on that Seattle defense. But he can be one of the faces of that defense. He can rebuild that defense like they had a couple of years ago in Seattle with moves like this. You trade away that, and you say, well, the Jets got to feel good because they got two first-round picks. Yeah, any other team would, but it's the Jets. And if you're a Jets fan and you're looking at your team's history of first-round busts over the past decade and a half, with very few exceptions, you got to go, okay, cool. So we just traded away literally our best player, one of the best players in the league, probably at this point the face of our team, who only wanted to leave because our coach is a joke and our team tried to trade him behind his back. <laughs> and here we are again. Here we are again. What do you want to bet? What do you want to bet? Sam Darnold goes down as a mediocre season and they throw a blank check at him. Of course they will. They sign him to a franchise because that's what they do. And I got the paper right here, right here to prove it. Right here. Okay? What do you got? So the Jets. Back and I'm trying to read in a small print. I should have made this bigger. Back in 2016, when Revis, Darrell Revis, the aforementioned Darrell Revis, who they didn't want to give a big contract to years earlier, left the Jets, went to the Buccaneers. I don't believe he was traded. I think I think he went in free agency. I'm not I'm not positive. On that. I should have looked that up, but I'm not positive. He went down to Tampa Bay, ended up tearing his ACL, missed an entire season. Signed late in uh, uh, 2015 offseason with the Patriots. The 2014 offseason with the Patriots. Played one year with them. Went to Super Bowl 49, I believe it was. Beat the Seahawks with the Patriots. Yep. Awesome game. Malcolm Butler interception. Damn near jumped through the roof when it happened. Okay. So then, then it's the offseason. Revis needs to re-sign. Apparently, Patriots made him some low-level offers as they knew they didn't have the cap room to re-sign him. Remember that offseason when the Jets outbid themselves to get him? I may have. I think because there was rumors the Patriots had countered. That they went over the top. Supposedly the Patriots went over the top. Money they didn't have. They were going to find it and cut people. Apparently that never happened. That was supposedly rumors. I guess the Jets, whatever reason, didn't vet their sources properly. And I think the deal went from like 5 and 56 to the 5 and 70. So essentially they just bid on top of their own bid when nobody else was bidding because they couldn't even do that right. 
Signed him to a five-year, $70 million contract. Had one great season. Came back. Looked like, dog. Oh, you know, Darrell Reeves was back in New York. This is awesome. And the following year was terrible, and he was released after that. Okay? So that's just one. That's one, you say, right? One. Sure. Okay. Muhammad Wilkerson. Oh, I mentioned After mention, Muhammad Wilkerson. Dude, honestly, looked like he was on his way to being a stud. Right. Was a great player. Looked like, And he wasn't a bust as a pick went. It's just unfortunate for him he had some injuries and couldn't overcome those. Messes his knee up bad. I believe he broke it. Broke his leg, actually. Really, really bad injury. So that offseason, what did the Jets do? Did they look at his medicals and say, Muhammad, we want you in New York, but realistically, we have to make sure you can still do it on the field. That would have been smart. But this is the Jets. Is it, yeah, it's the Jets. Knowing everything they knew... They signed Muhammad Wilkes into a five-year, $86 million contract. That's a bold move. Never the same player. Not even close. Terrible contract again. Following year, Tremaine Johnson. Five-year, 72.5. Didn't they just cut him? Yep. Played two seasons, and they cut him because he was never, ever the same player he was this previous team. I don't believe he's actually found another team since then. Uh, in this past offseason, or not past offseason, excuse me, a 2019 offseason, signed Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley. Le'Veon, four years, 52.5. Um, that remains to be seen. Le'Veon is an exceptional talent, there's no doubt. It's just, what can you do with nothing around you? He'll do the best he can, but who knows. C.J. Mosley, five years for $85 million. The highest paid player on the team at $17 million annual salary. And played two games last season and had that really nasty groin injury. Who knows what he'll be. I mean, he's a hell of a talent, but who knows if he's going to come back the same, if he's going to be hindered. Who knows? So nobody besides those two. Le'Veon Bell, who makes an average of 13.1. And CJ Mosley, who makes an average of $17 million a year. Nobody makes more than 9.5 after that. Most teams have between, I don't know, 3 and even up to 7 or 8, depending on who makes less money on the tail end of their roster, have several guys making in the 12 to 15 range, and they got a few studs who are, you know, they're usually a starting quarterback. If it's a star quarterback making 25 to 30 million a year, the Jets have a guy making 13, a guy making 17, and then. A bunch of guys who probably would be about the fifty-third person on most rosters, making about nine, eight to nine million. The highest-paid safety in the game, Eddie Jackson with the Bears, makes an average of fourteen point six. Oh, he's gonna make more than that. He could have easily made more than that with the Jets. Could have. They could have gone in and gone over the top and said, "This is what Eddie Jackson makes." You're younger. We think you're better. Whether he is or not, it's a matter of opinion. And it's a matter of play style and defensive scheme, whatever. Well, actually, I heard a breakdown today. Most of his, I think it's less than 50% of his snaps are um, at safety. Jackson? No, uh, Adams. Okay. He plays middle linebacker, oh, outside yeah, linebacker, everywhere. nickel corner, safety. He, he's versatile. He's like what you think. Isaiah Simmons. I was just going to say that. Isaiah Simmons is, is projected to be. be. Right. Uh, but Jamal Adams, like, that's essentially what you want Isaiah Simmons to be, is that. A Pro Bowl caliber, top 
safety, but realistically not playing safety position because he's so talented. And I don't know what the Jets are doing trying to shoot themselves in the foot. Let me just tell you something. We've talked this before, how much you can manipulate the salary cap if you're creative and you have the right people in the front office. Right. The Jets have, at this moment, $21 million in cap room. They don't have any big contracts on the horizon. And even if they were to throw the book at Sam Darnold in the offseason, it wouldn't be this offseason. He's only going into year three. But even a couple years down the road. You still have two years before you have to consider that. You can make this guy the highest paid safety in the game. He's the face of your franchise. Give him C.J. Mosley money. Make him happy. He'd be worth every penny. And that's it. Then you have your defensive captain set for the next five to seven years. And then when C.J. Mosley, you find out he can't play anymore, whether it be this season or next season, you don't have to worry because you have Jamal You have a stud who can play multiple positions under the guise of a safety. But instead, now you don't. You don't have that. And And you got two late, late first-round picks that you're probably going to botch. And Bradley Bradley McDougal, I think, is strictly just a safety. So now now you've, you've taken away the best player on defense. And the most versatile player on defense. Now, if you're restructuring your defense on how you're going to play, that's fine. But the way they've been playing, at least for the last year, maybe the year before, is he's been, you know, up and down the levels of the defense. You're not going to uh, – no no knock on Bradley McDouble. He's not Jamal Adams. He's not Jamal Adams. Just not sorry. I'm sorry. Few, few people are. Adams. Few people are. This is the problem with this. This is the, Nobody they're going to draft for those two first-round picks. They I know need, I can't see the future, but it's the Jets, and they suck at drafting 99% of the time. They're not going to draft anybody who's in the same stratosphere as Jamal Adams with those you picks. Needed, you needed Isaiah Simmons at that pick uh, for Beckett, and you needed to take him and then trade it. Like, when you were going to trade Jamal Adams, the rumors, at that point you should have known, and I believe, I believe, Chris, we can check the audio. I did have a theory about him getting traded before the season started. I don't remember because it was so far back. Uh, Adams? Adams, yeah. Adams, you did. I believe you're right. You did Not only that, it was to Seattle. I'm fairly certain. So, well, what well, wasn't it, one of them? I mean, yeah. you, we didn't lay it out, but you said that it would be a good fit, which obviously is. I'll but, go back. I'll try to find that. I'll, I'll, look, I'll look for that. But my point is the move would have been – and I'm not saying hindsight 50, hindsight's always 50-50. 2020? 2020, thank you. I, I don't know why I said 50-50. I, I'm, think, I, you know, I'm thinking of a different... Uh, the, the Jets' first-round pick is 50-50. They'd, yeah, be yeah, happy. Yeah. They'd be happy with those odds. They would. Um, I know hindsight's always 20-20. This is not hindsight. I, I said this. I'm pretty sure I said this before. It's You should have traded them before this draft. So that you can get your return immediately. And this is not factoring in COVID. I'm not factoring in that because you could not predict that. At that no, time. nobody could see this coming. But you could see Jamal Adams being a problem. And I say problem not in the sense of, of a headache on the field. I mean, he clearly, I mean, he was at the point where he was telling anyone who wanted to listen the GM and the head coach are not the right fits. Supposedly, they had this deal worked in. They've been working on this deal for months. 
if you've been working on this deal for months, why would you just tell Jamal and just say, hey, stop. We're working on the deal. As soon as the deal's finalized, we'll let you know. Instead, at least from the outside looking in, I don't know behind closed doors, but outside looking in, it looks like Jamal Adams had no idea what was going on. He made his, he made his trade demand, and the Jets didn't respond at all. That's what it looks like to me. And yet, I heard today that Seattle and New York have been working on this deal for months. Well, was Jamal Adams ever a problem as far as against the team until they tried trading him inexplicably last season? That's the only that that's when it began. That's when it began because he's sitting there going, the Jets saw the Dolphins trade Minka Fitzpatrick, and they were like, ooh. Maybe we can get some first-round picks for this guy. And they're not wrong. The problem is, at some point, a first-round pick that is a risk of a bust is not worth pissing off your te- – look, apparently – and I'm not, I'm not in the Dolphins boardroom, conference room, whatever. Apparently, like we've discussed, Brian Flores went to certain members of the team and said, hey, look, yeah. this is where the team's going. Do you want to be here through this? And I guess something about Mika Fitzpatrick's response made them believe he did not want to be there. He may have straight up said that. I don't know. But he ended up getting traded to Pittsburgh. Different scenario. They got a first and I believe a third for him. The Dolphins did. Pittsburgh got a guy who could be a star at safety for them for the next decade. No problem there because the player wasn't sure he wanted to be with the team. Jamal Adams wanted to be with New York. He wanted to be there, sign an extension. He wanted to be the face of that defense, of that franchise. He liked it there, maybe even loved it there. And that instead of the Jets realizing that, they were like, oh, well, maybe we can get something for him. Instead of realizing you had a 25-year-old stud defensive player who wanted to be on your team, who you could afford to go. Even after, even after this, they could say, hey, Jamal, we tagged on a few million on the back end of this contract over the misunderstanding. We're really sorry. You're the highest paid safety in the game. We value you. We don't know what we were thinking. Our bad. And I'm sure he would have been fine. Probably. But instead, they dug their heels in. They screwed him around further. And good for Jamal because he's, he's in a much better situation now. He's on a team that knows how to win, knows how to compete, knows how to put a quality team on the field, a winning franchise. And a coach like Pete Carroll is going to do wonders for Jamal Adams. Way more, way more than Adam Gase could ever even dream of doing. So I guess there's two trades I would kind of kind of line up with this trade. And it's actually the Mika Fitzpatrick kind of trade that is similar, but not really. Uh, they got Miami got a first, a fifth, and a sixth. So it's not the two first. But maybe the Frank Clark from Seattle to Kansas City maybe has a little bit more similarities because it was a first, a second, and a third. Hmm. Okay. Now, Kansas City got a third with Frank Clark. Um, and Khalil Mack deal, it, it's, there's so much there, I don't think it kind of equates. The question is, will Jamal Adams make that impact that Mika Fitzpatrick made with the Steelers. Yes. Will Adams make that impact that Frank Clark made? I think yes, because I don't think... Frank Clark made some impact, but not to the level that he thinks he made. Because if you ask him, I think... Frank Clark thinks he's the only guy on the field. Correct. Um, 
I just think, I think the deal in its, in its of itself is a fantastic deal for both sides. I've, I've seen grades where the Jets are getting a higher grade for it and the Seahawks are getting a C. Like, no. If, if the Seahawks were, you know. <laughs> if you're no. looking at that and you say, eh, well, Seattle got a C plus. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Because you're just, you're just grading this trade and you're hot, holding these draft picks as they're like the shiny new toy that you're getting. And it's the greatest thing ever. And you're discarding the old toy, which is Jamal Adams, and just saying, ah, that's not as good. This is the new toy. And everyone holds those draft picks so high because it's a first-round pick, Chris. It doesn't really hold water when the first-round picks are in, the, as you pointed out, they'll be in the mid-20s, possibly even 30s. So this is a good deal. But the Jets are going to screw it up. Yeah, I mean, the Jets got everything they could out of it, but it's their own fault for having to be in a situation to begin with. And as far as anybody saying the Seahawks got a lower grade on this trade than the Jets, that is absolutely asinine. You tell me, if I'm, if I'm running a franchise, and you tell me I get a 25-year-old safety who I don't even think we've seen the best from yet in Jamal Adams, a stud defender like Jamal Adams, or two late first-round picks who may or may not pan out, I take my chances and I gamble on keeping Jamal Adams right. all day. I take Jamal Adams, I make him the cornerstone of my defense, and I build from there. I don't screw around and want him to have to. I don't, I don't screw around and ship him out of town because I can't repair a relationship I've screwed up to begin with. It, it's asinine, and it's why the Jets are in a position they're in. Absolutely. Moving on. Lou Williams. So, what did Mr. Williams do? I don't know much about this, but it looks like it looks like he went to a strip club when he was out of the Orlando bubble. So, I guess from what I've heard, it's it's not exactly a strip club. Oh, is it it's, really? It's, I was only like guess. A, I was only guessing by the name. I really had no idea. It, it's a high end. Just I, say it. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. Oh, okay. I, I really don't because I. I, I, mean, it, I can edit it so it's not offensive. I so. mean. From where you, everything I've read and heard, it's they have great food, so it's not just. But it okay. is. It does have dancers, and I guess they are very acrobatic. I don't know if you would call it a strip club. It's for very high end individuals, so Lou Williams would fall under that category because he has a lot of money. And who is Lou Williams for those? Of Lou us Williams who don't know. is the um, is a backup guard for the L.A. Clippers. He's won multiple six mans of the year. Okay. Six man being, you know, a player recognized for being the best first guy off the bench. And in all reality, the sixth man on, on, on a good team would probably be a starter on any other team. Mostly, so it's yeah. Quality player. Um, so there's protocols in place for when you want to leave the bubble. You need, pre, you need to state what kind of event that maybe you had previously scheduled or something severe came up. So let's say you had a wedding to go to that was previously scheduled during this time. As long as you put the proper paperwork in and you, you know, 
you can, you can go to it, come back, and you'll have a four-day quarantine period. Which you'll be tested, and then you'll be deemed safe, yes, and you yes, can return course, action. Of course. Right. If there's a family medical emergency or you need to go to a funeral, uh, whether it was planned before or if it happened during, you make the proper procedures, you make the proper arrangements, you can go to the event, come back, again, a f- minimum four-day quarantine period, get tested, all that great stuff. So Lou Williams went to, uh, I believe it's a family friend, or a, it's very, very sketchy because he, he put out a tweet because him and uh, <clears throat> Kendrick Perkins have been going back and forth. Kendrick, yeah, Kendrick Perkins uh, chimed in on this. But I'll finish up the story. He went to uh, either family friends or a, a family's, uh, immediate family's uh, funeral. And while he was in, I guess it was Atlanta, some rapper, I don't know, because I, I, I don't know who he is. Um, I'm not up to date with recent ones. I'm more yeah, two, early 2000s, 90s rappers. I'm not. So apparently he went to Magic City. Which I just found out is actually some sort of yes. strip club-ish thing. I was just a guest by the name Magic City. This rapper... Um, I don't know his name. It, it, I had it up. And That's fine. Um, took a picture and posted on Instagram. I'm supposed to have cameras in those places anyways. Where am I in there? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I am not the owner of that place. I don't know the rules of that place. All I'm saying is he took a picture of himself and Lou Williams. It was a selfie between the two of them. Somehow, before he deleted it, the NBA got a hold of it. Because then the rapper came out. And said, was probably a, rapper was probably a Lakers fan and didn't want him to have him when, I, the, when I the league started no, back up. I think they were cool. <laughs> I think they were good friends. Because the the rapper tried to claim, oh no, that's an old picture. But the NBA got a hold of it before right. he deleted it. I mean, is it remotely possible it is an old picture? No. Because they interviewed Lou Williams and he said he was. Oh, okay. There. I was going to say, let's not. I don't that's wanna, how they know. Okay. I was going to say, I don't want to. I don't want to say to make an accusation towards a man if he if he perhaps was not lying about it, but if no, he admitted he, to it, then he, it's a different he, story. He admitted to it. So it, him and him and and I'll just say him and um, Perkins have been going back and forth. Perkins knows him well, and so if he knows him well, they're going back and forth on social media. Yeah, they're going back on social media because so that makes sense. Why not just text each other? That's good. I don't. I I don't know. Per- Perkins put his uh, two cents on the whole thing that he needs to be better. He needs to. He should understand. The risk he's taking by doing that, going to a place where he's not scheduled to go, and, and let's be honest, had Lou had that rapper not posted that picture, would have Lou Williams been interviewed by an, uh, NBA security, and would people have known he went there? Now he still would have had the four day quarantine. I understand, and he still would have got tested. The accuracy of those tests. Who knows the accuracy? Who knows how long the um, gestation period? And I'm sure I'm messing up that word. Yeah, it's okay though. It's funny. Um, of the virus. So if he got contacted, he basically he's basically I think he's being a little bit irresponsible by he should be minimizing his contacts when he's outside the bubble. Well, if this was an everyday person, I would say it's not my place to tell someone what they should do. 
all this stuff about everybody being responsible for everybody else throughout this whole thing is like, look, I'm all for being cautious, but like, we need to all just try to stop bossing each other around as much. However, he is a contracted player of a team that is paying him, and this is part of the agreement he has made as a player. Correct. So I do understand people going, you went somewhere that wasn't approved, dude. Like, this isn't like there's nothing going on out there. Like, this isn't any kind of virus out there, and they're just trying to control you. Like, the whole reason this leak can happen is because we have this bubble where nobody can get in or out without being properly tested. And as we're going to get into later, baseball not having that foresight is putting them in a bad spot already. Correct. So there's part of me that says, look, this guy went out, had some fun with a friend, went to an upscale place, which I assume is very clean. Whatever you think about places like that is, is your business. I'm not here to argue here nor there. And then he went back, no matter what, he has the four-day quarantine, no matter what, he gets tested. But I'd say that if it was an everyday Joe, I wouldn't say that if it's somebody who's contractually obligated to do things a certain way. And now, what if he ended up catching something when he was there? What if they test him and it comes back positive? Okay, he could have got it anywhere, but now they're going to go, well, he could have got it when he was visiting Magic City. <laughs> and of course, we know <laughs> that the name protocols. is just so obvious as to what it is. Um, it, it, it just wasn't smart. I don't know who old this guy is. I don't know if he's married. I don't 15 know. 15 year vet. Okay, so we're not talking about a 23, 24 year old kid. Who... And can I add context for you? Sure. Zion Williamson, familiar with him? Oh, yeah. yeah. First, First overall pick. pick out of Duke. Great player. He's a rookie still, right? Yep. Looks like he's going to be a stud. He needed to leave. Right. For a family, for excused absence. That's all it said. We don't need to know more. His business was placed in a four-day quarantine after he was, after he came back, came back clean. Did nothing else. Didn't go anywhere else. He did what he had to do. Handled his business. Came back, was clean after four days. He'll now be able to play all his games. Right. Lou Williams is now in a ten-day quarantine instead of a four-day. And you say, what's the big deal? He is now going to miss. Two games for the Clippers. And that could have, potentially, I don't know if it will, it could affect seeding. And it's a 10-day, it's if he doesn't come back positive. It, what if he comes back positive? Yeah, then you're dead, who knows? And he's, he's healthy, out for two yeah. weeks, and now he's going to miss more games. Two-week minimum. And there's no restrictions on when players are excused from the bubble on what they can and can't do. But, um, and I want to get this right, uh, Bobby Marks, who is an ESPN insider, uh, tweeted that a player that leaves campus for a valid reason must limit their interactions to people and place places they directly relate to the stated emergency, and that the league should make amendments. I don't know if there's rumors or conjecture that they are going to. Bobby Marks is a pretty influential insider. I would put him on the level of a, a Schefter, okay. uh, a Ken Rosenthal. Gets a lot of inside information. Yeah. So Sleeps with the phone on, <laughs> on right. rings. Yeah, you know, um, exactly. So he's kind of putting his uh, – this is opinion, I think, where he's putting his two cents saying, hey, you know – 
kind of what you're saying. You know, we have a responsibility. We're in this bubble. We're trying to entertain. You you want to put your um, social social justice um, words, phrases, names, what have you. Right. You want to do that. You have to respect all the people inside that bubble that are trying to adhere to these rules right. so that you can do that, so that you can get paid, so you can play your rest of your season, your playoffs, and all that. You need to respect your other your, your co-workers, you could say. By, if you're going to say you're going to a funeral, realistically, Lou Williams, you should have went to the funeral in your hotel room, and that's about it. Yeah, look, and if he even said to the league, hey, look, I got a friend. I'm already going to be out. I'm going to go to this place or that place. That's fine. Like, you're an adult. You can ask. Like, you don't, you don't have to, you know, like. They just might adjust your they, quarantine. Exactly. Period. They just might have said, okay, well, you know, we'll test you every day for the first three days and we'll make your quarantine up until the day before the games. And, you know, we'll, we'll figure something out. Go out, have a good time, whatever. And they would have kept it on the hush, and it wouldn't have been a big deal. But yeah, but if it was let out that they allowed the Williams, then exactly. Now you're 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 starting that downhill slide of well, every player who leaves is supposed should be allowed to do X, Y, or Z because this is one of the this this was one of the concerns that the players, um, not directly reported by anybody or or. I should say, not directly reported that anyone said it, but it's a general consensus is they were going to be in this bubble for X number of days or weeks. They weren't going to get some, I'll put it as amenities that, that typically they could get at home, if you kind of understand what I'm saying. I think your innuendo makes it sound dirtier than it actually is in is real it? life. Yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm trying yeah. to. I'm trying to. I get. No, I, I can appreciate the attempt to not make it weird, but like, yeah, it just made it weird. It made it weird inadvertently, but I, I can respect the attempt. I just think I think I think Lou Williams need to be more responsible. And it's funny because Lou Williams was one of those players who was fifty fifty on playing, right? Because of the George Floyd incident, right? Or I'm sorry, <clears throat> the George Floyd murder, right? I apologize. Well, you didn't do it, so no. But I, I apologize for using the wrong context. Um, so he was fifty-fifty on going in, and then he went, and I think he went probably because he wanted to use his platform to further the message, which is exactly what you should do. But you're just putting other people at risk by doing this, and then yeah. your, your friend yeah. tried to cover for you. And if all that didn't happen, what kind of quarantine were you going to get if nobody knew you went to this other place? And if the quarantine wasn't going to be long enough to figure out if you got it or not? It's, and now maybe you got you did get it, but it didn't, it didn't appear you had it until what, five days later, six days later. See? And now, now it spreads and you're, oh, and now your season's, now the season's done. I'm getting confused because you have these tests and it's like, oh, they tested negative. Okay, well, we have this person. They tested positive, but they're they're not showing any symptoms. They're asymptomatic. Right. Okay. Well, then how could you tell if they're asymptomatic that they had it? And don't 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 hear what I'm not saying out there. I'm not saying this isn't real. I'm not. I'm not 
saying that I understand it is a real situation, but I'm saying how is it like different tests? Is it is everyone not using the same test? Is like the MLB using different cut? The NFL said they're going to test every day. Okay, great. I guess it seems like a little bit of overkill, but whatever you got to do. Uh, you know, um, baseball had some players who weren't showing any symptoms, but they tested positive for the antibodies and they were asymptomatic. Okay, so obviously those players went into quarantine. They're not allowed to join their team until they test, until they're clean. Okay, so why if you come back and you test clean three or four times in a four-day span, are you then still kept out for a week? Because apparently we can trace it. It's asymptomatic in some people. I I don't know, and I, I don't know anybody explaining this actually knows either. It's okay not to know. Just It's just a little confusing to me. Yeah. Either way, like I said, as a society, we are all too happy to tell everybody else what they should or shouldn't do. But in this situation, where you're in you're, you're in the bubble specifically because of this virus, and you are under a contract, you agree to, you accept a very nice salary in exchange for what you agreed to do, you got to be smarter than that. You got to be better. You got to be smarter. You can't put other people at risk. But. And I, 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 my, my deal with Lou Williams isn't as egregious as, let's say, the Florida Marlins. I was going to say, speaking of better and smarter, let's move on to baseball. This, this is, this is what you speak of, almost on a weekly basis. One word you always say: consistency. consistency. It's my favorite word, and it's so so seldom used all throughout life. So let's give him the whole story, Chris. Three Marlins tested positive before... Uh, the baseball players, not the fish. The yes, fish are okay. Fish ball. are fine. Three Florida Marlin baseball players okay. tested positive before... I want people to think they can't eat seafood now. Um, I'm not a seafood person, but uh, you can. Before Sunday's game. Now, Chris, would, they, they, they canceled that game, right? That's all reason for all this testing and all this nonsense. That they're, they're, they're forcing everybody to go through on a daily basis because if they test positive, hence the players that did before the season started, they can't play. Correct? Incorrect. They played that game. Oh, wow. They had knowledge of the Jesus. players tested positive. The players did, and they still played. They got to stop doing take me out of the ball game in the seventh inning and just start playing a kazoo. Because I, this entire season is a circus and we're four days in. And and I'll, I'll add extra context. At last time I checked, the Florida Marlins were still in Philadelphia because they were supposed to fly home to Florida to play their opening game against the Baltimore Orioles. Why are they still in Philadelphia? Well, they can't because, travel if they're no, no, no. They want the test results. Okay. So. So Why do they not have the test results? I don't know if they get at now. I haven't heard for, about it for hours now. But so let me understand this: the players were allowed not that the players obviously. I don't think the players that tested positive were playing, but all the Barlins were allowed to go out on the field and play a game Sunday night. But you want to hold the entire team back the next day. To ensure that they, you know, you have the results and all that. That's where we're being inconsistent here. Is 
just should have shut the game down, not played, so that if any Florida Marlin that you haven't tested yet does not transmit this to a Philadelphia Philly, and now you have two teams out. And it's funny because today's game for the Florida Marlins and Orioles and the Phillies game against the Yankees are both postponed. I saw it canceled. Just I, canceled. I tried, tried to double-check that because all I saw was postponed, but I was looking to see if it was actually canceled. And if it's canceled, then guess what? It's done. And I heard today each of these games count for 2.47 wins. And that's oh, for against like prorated for the regular right. normal length of the season, yeah. Almost three. You're almost talking about each game counting as a series win. Okay, and I know we talked with uh, with somebody else about coming on next week. We wanted to rank the best player at each position and do our well. Normally, it would be early, being four games in the season, but considering we're probably at about the point where game 100 would be, <laughs> uh, predictions for who would win the awards. We got to do that quick. We either have to do it quick or – because honestly, Chris – I don't think this season lasts two more weeks. I, you asked me? I don't know if it makes it to August. And I understand. August is in like it's four, four days. Four days away, three, four days away. Yeah, it's not – Would you be confident in saying, oh, it's going to make it to August? No. Because I'm not. I'm not confident that by the time this releases at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, that being Tuesday, July 28th, I'm not confident when this releases – we still have a baseball season. It is very likely they get these test results back, and it's just done. They might be. They, because they didn't have possible. the foresight to do the, like we talked about last time, each division or each, each you know, the East play in East, Central play in Central, West play in West, go to their own space and do their own thing, stay there and get tested. These guys are... You know, still going back to their hotels. They're still going home at night. They're going. There, there's no restrictions. Yeah. After after they leave the the facilities, there's no restrictions. They're just every day. You're trusting. This isn't going to happen. This you're is this trusting is, these players as everyday people to just okay. Well, you need to social distance. You need to clean yourself. You need to clean whatever else. You need to wear a mask. You need to do all this stuff. You're trusting that. What do we? It's like probably like. Thousand players, uh, um, probably overestimating. Look, you're trusting them to do. You're trusting them to do what Lou Williams was incapable of doing. One player left the NBA bubble and did this, just on on a whim almost, or because he wanted to. How many baseball players yeah. are doing what they want to do? And they have no restrictions on staying inside place X or place Y. There is no way they're going to finish this season. No, there's no way. Strictly because of the players. It's funny. It almost didn't start because of the owners, and now it won't finish because of the owners. You know, the procedures and protocols and inconsistencies with how this thing has been handled is, is some of it is politically driven. People are not going to like that, but that's how I feel. I think a lot of it has been handled inconsistently, and that leads to more problems down the road. However, I bathe on a daily basis. 
I wash my hands anyways more times than the average person. I wear a mask when I go out because I don't want to make anybody else sick. I don't want to catch it and get somebody else sick. So whatever I think about how it's this serious, it's that serious, whatever, I'm still responsible because if wearing a mask for the next six months means this madness is done by the middle of next summer or next February or March or however the hell long we're going to have to carry this on for, I'm fine with it. But the problem is a lot of people, athletes included, who think they're invincible, don't feel that way. They just don't. So to your point, the NBA, who has put every precaution they can possibly think of in place and done this extremely intelligently, could have had one person blow it all up. How are we going to have an entire Major League Baseball team, players, coaches, scouts, advisors, everything else, everything that comes with that, times 30, and expect this thing to keep going because someone's not going to screw it up. Uh, it does, there's no way. There's no way. And there's two, fr- there's two sports that are looking at what the NBA is doing and what the MLB is doing and paying close attention. NHL opens up on Saturday as far as real games. They're playing right. scrimmages now or they're going to start in a couple of days. But Saturday they open up. And they're doing a lot of the same things as the NBA. They have their bubble in Toronto. They're trying to keep everything closed. They're actually doing some game. I, I looked at a scrimmage for the um, basketball, and they're kind of doing something different with the crowd, and they're trying to make it more like a video game, which is interesting. And I guess the NHL is kind of copying it and trying to do their own thing. But the second, the second sport is the NFL, and that's the bigger deal. Because that's more influential. There's a lot more money in the NFL. They're looking at what what both the NBA and, and MLB are doing. Because it seems like the NFL is going to not intentionally mimic, but it seems like they're going to mimic what the MLB is doing. And they should take a long look at that and consider the ramifications of if you're going to do that, you're now trusting... 50 players plus practice squatters to adhere to rule X, Y, and Z. If you even implement rules, which in apparently the NBA, once you're outside the bubble, there really aren't any rules. MLB, once you leave the facility, there aren't any rules. NHL, you might want to pay attention because it doesn't look the NBA, NBA uh, MLB is going to survive this season. And if the NBA has one more player slip up and get through the cracks because you know there's a, there's a high probability that might happen. Very it, high. It'll blow up that bubble real quick. So baseball, I can't I can't see the the current state we're in baseball lasting two more weeks. There, not, there's there's just there's no way they haven't been able to handle it well enough. And that's I, I want to clear it up. That's kind of my point again. With the people are going to get sick of me saying this word consistency. That's my problem with always is consistency. Either we have to be consistent or just remove the regulations and see what happens, which I know is ridiculous, but and I know that's kind of it's kind of hyperbole, but it's like, you know, I, what did I say to you? Like, you go to a store. I'm not going to name names because I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to dog anybody. Like, it's, it's protocol that's put in place by, you know, the states and stuff. But 
go to a store, you walk in, wear a mask, security mm-hmm. at the gate, at mm-hmm. the gate, at the gate, yeah, at the door. door. You have to go in this way, you have to walk out that way. Right. There's markers in the aisle. You got to walk this way, you got to walk that way. Once you get past the, st- the front of it, the front of the store, everyone just doing whatever the hell they want to do in the store anyways. Nobody's right. enforcing anything. It's yeah. all just a front. It's a, sh- it's a dog and pony show to make certain people look good. And it's like, if we're, if we're going to do this, you have to do it right all the way through. You're only, <laughs> you're only as good. Well, it's, he's a sports team. You're only as good as your worst player. So, or food. You're only as good as your worst ingredient. You can have a $800 truffle, but if you use box pasta, <laughs> it's kind of... Kind of defeats the purpose. It's Listen, like Chris, I, I like box pasta. Oh, as do I. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking it. I don't. I don't need eight hundred dollar truffles. Are you kidding me? Um, the only truffles I like are chocolate. But it, it it's like it's with these sports. It's been the same way. Okay, so the NBA did everything they possibly could. They put the, the right procedures in place, and. Not their fault. Lou Williams did what he did. No. That's on Lou Williams. It is, and he won't admit that. But yeah, no, but that's on him. He made his own decisions. He's an adult. So then, you know, they, they quarantine him, and they're going to work that out, and hopefully test negative, and that's all. That's all cleared up. But then baseball did what a lot of these stores are doing, which kind of circles back to my point. Even though I've been rambling, it's baseball on its surface. This was all about money with baseball to begin with, and, and they put it under the guise of it being about players' health and safety. That was never it. It was about money. And I realize it's a sport. It's a business. It's supposed to make money. But at, but at the end of the day, they knew three people were positive yesterday. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell the team they played against. They didn't tell the other people. And they put a lot of people at risk. Or the other people on the team, excuse me. They put a lot of people at risk. Yeah, because the Marlin players knew. Yeah. Like, so if anybody, if anybody wants to question what this was about with baseball... It was always, if anybody at this point still has a question, I don't know what, they're not listening to this show enough. It was always about the money. And Don Riley even came out and said they knew about the positive test and there was no way they weren't going to play that game. Yeah. The players were saying it. It's like, yeah. what, what are you guys doing? Because for months you guys didn't want to play under a certain restrictions. And now you're all for playing for whatever. Boils down to one thing and one thing only, money. Yeah, the the virus doesn't matter to them at all. So, and if you're gonna do that, take away all the restrictions and just play your damn game. You just stay well. away from me and my loved ones. I don't want you. I don't want catching whatever the hell you got open creeping up around your, on you. Open up the gates. Whoever wants to come in and risk, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Like <laughs> you might not feel capacity, but go ahead. You might as well because and we, right. We understand how dumb this sounds, by the way, Valley Buddy. Like we're not. We're just saying, like, if you're not going to follow your own procedures, then why bother putting on the dog and pony show? Just screw it. Just, just do it and wish for the best. Flip a coin. It's ridiculous. It's nonsense. I got two players. Which, you might two players. You might have a season over, anyways. Whether it ends tomorrow or you know. Well, well Verlander claims he's not done. Justin Verlander, starting pitcher for the Astros, went out and actually reigning AL Cy Young winner, phenomenal pitcher, one of the best, one of the best of his generation. Right. Went out. Uh, early reports were that it was a 
tear, forearm tear, elbow tear, someone's elbow. That's the re- and that he'd be out for the rest of the season. He claims it's a strain, and he's put on the ten day injured list, and supposedly he'll be back. He's hoping within two weeks. Corey Kluber, former Cy Young winner for Cleveland, now Rangers was traded this offseason. Uh, has a shoulder tear on top of whatever else he had wrong with his arm last year, which kept him out most of the year, if not all the year. And he'll be out at least four weeks. Uh, my guess is the way things have been going with the time either of these gentlemen are ready to play again, this season will have long since been canceled. Right. Because baseball... It's just not going to last. It's not going to happen. Honestly, I, I will I will be... I'm not going to say I would do anything stupid because <laughs> I'm not... I'm, I'm putting this out and recording it, so I'm not going to, you know, say like, oh, I'll shave my head or anything like that. But I would be beyond shocked if it lasts two more weeks. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if by the time... By the time we're recording the Thursday night to bring you Friday's show... Mm-hmm. If it's just, well, that was the baseball season, folks. It was five games, and we'll see you in 2021. Wouldn't shock me in the least. They have handled this as poorly as you possibly can from the first moment a word about discussing a restart was brought up. Let's get to let's get to another. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pissed off NFL player uh, about their ratings and something that. Well, one no, thinks it's trivial, but honestly, if you, I, I don't think this one's so. I don't think this one's so trivial. Honestly, we're talking about the NFL Top 100 rankings, which are released, you know, released every year, and these are voted on by the players. So these are your colleagues. Where, where do your colleagues believe you rank? And we have there's a, a particular wide receiver, Mr. Keenan Allen of the Los Angeles Chargers, and San Diego that time. Good job. Who is very displeased with his ranking that his peers gave him. I believe he was ranked 77. Yeah. He went on social media today because that's apparently what all adults do in 2020 is go on social media. And he just randomly called out Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Tyreek Hill. Oops. Not the best of move. But, okay, that's what he wanted to do. Mike Evans clapped back and was like, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently Keenan Allen, when he tagged Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Tyree Kill, apparently he tagged the wrong Chris Godwin. Yes. So Mike Evans was like, "Bro, you tagged the wrong Chris Godwin, and you're not on my level." I I, I looked up. So, I looked it up. The guy has nine followers. So I'm pretty yeah, I'm pretty sure, sure Mister uh, Godwin for the the Buccaneers has more than nine followers. But. Yes. So I, I I did a breakdown because I wanted to see if Keenan Allen had an argument if he was better or not. So, I went through the first three years okay. of a player's career. Because Keenan Allen has been this is going into his eighth year. Hard to believe already. But Mike Evans has been in the league, I believe, five years. Okay. Uh, Chris Godwin is going into his fourth, so he's only been in the league three years. So, he so couldn't do... So, you're being fair. I just wanted to, I wanted to do a metric I could measure everybody on. And you're being consistent. 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 I told you I'll be consistent. Whether you like what I'm saying or not, I will be fair and consistent. So... The first three seasons of Keenan Allen's career, he played 37 games, had 215 catches, 2,500 receiving yards, 16 touchdowns. That is, among those four players I mentioned, the lowest receiving yards, the lowest touchdowns, the lowest yards per reception. And aside from Chris Godwin, 
the lowest receptions in general and the fewest games played. So the first three years of his career wasn't the same player. Now people people mature. Of course. Yeah. Then so the last three seasons of Mr. Keenan Allen's career. And by okay. the way, I'm a Keenan Allen fan. I think Keenan Allen's a great receiver. Uh, no argument here. He's great. And should he have been higher than 77? I'm not an NFL player. I don't know the ins and the outs that actually occur on a day-to-day basis. Maybe, maybe not. He's where he is because people who play with him voted him there. That's what it is. Last three seasons, he played every game. So the whole, all the injury issues are, are questions that he had. Seem to go away. So that's good. He had... 303 receptions, 3,788 yards, 18 touchdowns, and average of 12.5 yards per reception, which can be deceiving because some guys are slot receivers, some guys are deep receivers. That is the most receptions. That is the most yards. It's the fewest touchdowns, but again, he had Phillip Rivers throwing to him, so Phillip was usually throwing an interception in the red zone. I mean, Keenan Island's kind of got a point. The only thing I can say, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are on the same team. They take away from one another to an extent. Because Mike Evans' numbers did drop slightly once Chris Godwin became a prominent part of the offense. Right. Which is expected. You got two stud receivers, different levels of the field. Evans is, you know, going to go a little deeper. Not that, not that he can't catch everywhere, but he's going to go a little bit deeper. He's going to catch those long Jamis Winston overthrows and try his best to prevent him from getting his 40th interception of the year. But, I mean, Evans and Godwin had Jamis Winston throwing to him. Godwin his whole career... Or, or Ryan Fitzpatrick, depending on the 2018 season back and forth. I mean, think about Tyree Kill. He's also been a, a main... He, he also had... He's got like 500 career rushing yards. Six or seven career rushing touchdowns. Who knows how many punt return touchdowns. He, he did kickoff returns his rookie year. I mean, this guy's been using multiple facets. He's proven when he's on the field he's a game changer. I mean, you can make the argument, yeah, he's had Patrick Mahomes throwing to him in the last few years. And that's not his fault. The same as it's not, you know, Edwins and Godwin's fault that they had Amos Winston throwing to him. At the end of the day, you can only play in the situation you're in. Keenan Allen is super talented, but if you gave me the choice of any of those four receivers, he'd be the fourth one on my list. Absolutely. I mean, I think I'd honestly rank him Evan So Godwin Allen. I mean, I'm looking at the list that we have uh, from 71 to 100. DK Metcalf's close to him. Yeah. And I think that's appropriate. Uh, and I also think that next year you could see him jump Keenan Allen because more more yeah. players will see what DK Metcalf brings to the table uh, if he's consistent throughout all 16 games because that's one thing you knock someone like DK Metcalf is that he wasn't consistent, but he was a rookie. And that offense had so many transitions from going from, you know, kind of a mix of pass and run to a little run heavy. Then the running backs, you know, all got hurt. So it had to, you knew you had to pass at that point. So, I mean, yeah, that's. I just, I just if I were Keenan Allen, I'm not a player. But if I were him, I probably wouldn't die on this hill. No, I don't get it. Just, just be quiet and go out and prove it. Put it on the field. You can, and. and if you got beef with the other three receivers, that's fine. That's your prerogative. But realistically, it's not their fault that they're ahead of you. Um, maybe some players have, and this is probably the 
biggest problem with it being a player's list is that players feel slighted because you said something wrong, you did something wrong. Maybe players inside that locker room are slighted against you because you called them out and they didn't like that. So there is some potential bias with this list. I just wouldn't take it too seriously if I were him. I'd go out and play my game, especially now that I'm going to have the possibility of two different quarterbacks being the starting quarterback. Right. A new a new frontier with the Chargers because Phillip Rivers has been there forever. I just wouldn't die on this hill. And I wouldn't call out Tyreek Hill. I wouldn't call out Mike Evans. I wouldn't call out Chris Godwin. As much as you think you're better than them, go out there and prove it. And it's really weird, too, when players at the same position call out other players at that position. That's not really something you see. No. I remember last season, I believe it was last season, when um, Stephen Gilmore was saying stuff about Jalen Ramsey. And Jalen Ramsey, who was never shy about talking and, and, and voicing his opinion, was like, bro, like, we don't call out people who play the same position as we do. We just either try to do better or support each other. We talk we talk trash about other positions. So yeah, it's just kind of weird, like you said. It's a kind of weird hill to die on for Keenan Allen where right. it's like, okay, dude, like Tyreek Kill has been part of a Super Bowl team now. And you can say he has my homes thrown to him, but would you be better than Tyreek Kill if you had all that down on, on, on that team? And, and I'll accentuate your point. Would it would have been real easy for the Chiefs just to treat Tyreek Hill like Percy Harvin, right? And just make him a gimmick guy, right? And what happened to Percy Harvin? He just uh, never yeah, developed. Unfortunately, yeah, never. Yeah, had injuries too. But. Tyreek has developed into an actual real receiver. Exactly right. Yeah, not some gimmick for the offense. Not a part return guy who doesn't end around once in a while. Right. Yeah. So, and that's the that's kind of the difference between Tyreek Hill and, and Percy Harvin, and that's something that Keenan Allen should look at and say, you know, he developed his skill. You know, we know Mike Evans was extremely talented at Texas A and M, and he had essentially an equivalent quarterback throwing to him at Texas A and M as he did in Tampa Bay uh, with Johnny Manziel, and he's an extremely talented player. And he's made it work with, I don't want to say less talented player, but just an inconsistent player. And Chris Godwin came out of nowhere. Yeah. I would I would equate Chris Godwin to Yannick and Jock. Just, okay, I got drafted here. I don't know where Chris Godwin got drafted, but I'm pretty sure it's... Um, he's Wasn't definitely, first round like Evans. Right. But he, he worked his way up, and now he's probably... Touching the t- top tier of receivers. Oh, for sure. And, and I, don't Ke- think we, I don't even think we've seen the best of Chris Godwin yet. So, Keenan, if I'm you, like, if, and, and Chris pointed out expertly, your injury issues seem to be in the past. They seem to be gone. Seem to be. Hopefully for his sake. I would take that as okay. I'm I made a step forward. Yep. I'm being consistent. I'm being I'm, yo. Now, let's elevate my performance. Let's elevate the team with a new quarterback, whether it's Tyrod Taylor or whether it's Justin Herbert. Who knows which 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 direction they're going to go? This is not the hill to die on. No, it's not. You know, 
let other let commentators, let ex NFL players, let ex coaches, let people like us podcast hosts, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Criticize this, yeah, right? And you just do your work on the field. It's like when we're sitting there, um, enraged because Deshaun Watson got an eighty-six in Matt, and I don't remember. I, I think Deshaun did tweet, but he didn't tweet anything. No, he wasn't obsessed with it. It was crazy. just, it was just like. Like really, like he was more laughing about it. Like, come on! But he let he let the public, right, have the outrage. What well, he's what he's going to do is just go on the field and perform. Well, that's what Deshaun Watson does, and that's what he has to do. Aside from run, because Bill O'Brien doesn't get him a line. All right, we have players number uh, ten through seventy-one. Real quick before we go, sure. Uh, that's all that's been released so far. They usually do a couple. Yeah. A couple groups of ten a day. That's between uh, yesterday and uh, and Wednesday. I believe they're going to release between Sunday and, and Wednesday. They're going to release the full list. We only have thirty right now. The one hundred to seventy one. A couple players on this list to me, and I know I highlighted them, so you, you won't have any trouble figuring it okay. out. Not that I think anybody's been wrong by where they're ranked, because I said these are their these are their colleagues and fellow players and. Most of the time, these lists are pretty good. I remember even when everybody was talking smack about Tom Brady, you know, five, six years ago when he was winning and, and people were, were hating on him, his colleagues would still constantly vote him in the top five of their best players. Right. So these are usually pretty even keel. So it's not a complaint of where they were voted. It's just I think a couple of players who are on this list are going to, when this list is released in 2021, are going to be way higher ranked. So if there's two or three guys you see on this list from 100 to 71, and I got this from NFL.com, so if anyone wants to see this portion of the list or any part of it, head there and check it out. But who who would your, your movers be for next season? Uh, Kyler. Yeah, for, for me, Kyler Murray. And DK. Uh, I had uh, Tyler Murray, DK, uh, Kyler Murray at 90, DK Metcalf at 81, and Josh Jacobs at 72. Yeah. Uh, those guys... I sincerely believe with their talent level could all be top 40 players next year. Yeah, I can see that. I, I see a lot of these players that are just going to stay where they're at in this level or they actually might drop off. Well, it's tough too because you get you got a big injection of talent with the draft every year. Yeah. So things change. But I just think those three guys, Metcalf, Murray, and Jacobs, especially – Murray and Jacobs. Nothing against DK. It's just who knows what scheme Seattle's going to run offensively. Right. They may be more run based. They may throw more Tyler Lockett. It, it won't be Metcalf's talent level. It'll just be his effect he, on the game. Yeah. Is he able to have enough of an effect? His talent's obviously there. But a guy like Josh Jacobs and Kyler Murray are going to be massive focal points of their offense. I think Kyler Murray could be in the top 20 next year. I think Jacobs could be high 20s early 30s, if not better. I mean, this kid ran for over 1,100 yards with a blown-out shoulder, and he didn't even play every game this year. Right. And he got those kind of numbers. I mean, if he comes in healthy with a team that knows what he can do and can use him, oh, my goodness, what, what that kid, oh, he could be he could be an all-pro. Absolutely. But I'm good. Anything, you got anything else or you're good? The, uh, the only thing I'd, <laughs> I wanted to remind you, if, if, I know you were excited, um, tonight – the Red Sox starting pitcher was someone named I don't I didn't recognize his name. All I know is they installed the opener. Uh, 
Do you know how it went? I'm going to guess poorly. Uh, yeah, the first two pitchers gave up seven runs, I think. Well. And they lost. They lost seven to three. But, um, yeah, I, I just uh, – to the New York Mets. I don't think Noah was pitching today. I think he's slated tomorrow or the next day. Who? Noah Syndergaard. Oh, Syndergaard pitching. I mean, I mean I'm, Jacob DeBron. Let's see, if Syndergaard's pitching, you want to be careful. No. He just had Tommy John. I was thinking Jacob, and I for some reason I thought Noah. Um, well, I still have hopes that the seven games baseball is going to play this year, the Red Sox can pull it off. So, well, so far they're one in three. But yeah. Let's, well, let's see if they can it turn around. It ain't going to matter when it's canceled in three days. That's so. true. That's true. That's all I got, though. Like I said, things will be looking up by the time we come to you uh, next episode. We still have a baseball season. I, I am not optimistic. And I usually am, but I'm not this time. I'm usually not. And... I'm usually not, and your trend continues. You're being consistent. You're being consistent. So, All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, and uh, I really mean that. We'd really like to hear from you guys. Anything at all, please get in touch with us. We really do enjoy the feedback. And, Ben, we're going to do that. Uh, you hit us up on Facebook, that's Ben and Chris Talk Sports. Or you hit us up on Twitter, at BCTSPod. Or on our new website, BCTSPod.com. There'll be a new blog up there probably Wednesday or Thursday. So go there, subscribe, ask a question, leave feedback, whatever you want to do. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, if you could, spread the word if you enjoyed the show. We're going to get out of here. Thank you very much for listening. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here Friday morning. Thank you.